take two. Welcome to Story Mode Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Munro. I did this all in one take. And tonight I'm joined by Simon Joel and a very, very, very special guest. You may know him as host of Hunting Seasons, Broderick Gordes. How we doing? We doing pretty good. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me on. I uh, appreciate the invite. It's um, it's good to be here. Good to be here. How's everyone else doing? We will always bring on somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, it makes us look good. And for anyone who has listening, has listening, see, I've already fucked up. <laughs> has listened to Hunting Seasons, they know that you know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Practice um, long enough. Look, 200 episodes worth. Has to get good eventually. Look, let's be fair here. Simon and Joel, they don't really matter right now. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Hunting Seasons, and then we'll get to these two schmoes in a moment. All right, real quickly, because weirdly enough, the podcast I'm the host of is virtually over at this point. Uh, for the last six years, myself and my co-host, Damask Leary, have been hosting the Hunting Seasons podcast. It's a TV review podcast where Hunting Seasons... The original premise was we are trying to track down the seasons of TV that we hadn't watched, shows like Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, stuff you should have watched if you're a TV enthusiast. And then we just started talking about whatever we wanted to, mostly what was coming out and was popular at the time. We have been do- did that for six years, 200 individual review episodes, seasons of TV that we reviewed. Uh, there's a good chance if there's a TV show you've liked in the last six years or before that, we've probably reviewed it at some stage. So check that out. We're on iTunes. We're everywhere. But we're actually done. We finished um, with our 200th review episode just a few weeks back. We reviewed Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1, finally, which is sort of the origin story of Damascus and I and how we became friends and talking about TV. And we're going to do one more final goodbye episode, which is probably the worst place to start listening to the podcast, but uh, expect that <laughs> before the end of the month, basically. See, the good thing is, though, the, the show's timeless. Like, I've been going back and listening to old episodes because it's about... Just TV. We all watch repeats of yeah. TV. So do yourself a favor and go back. Now, just I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask everyone here, top of your head, what is the best season of television? Any show? Best individual season of television. God. Yep. Um, There's no oh, best individual season of television is True Detective Season 1. I think. Oh, never, that's a very good answer. Possibly the best. I'm best trying to think back to like what we've given fives to. And. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I love in there, but True Detective season one only got better with that. It's fucking amazing. That's an it's amazing, so amazing show. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about season two. Season three, maybe give it a look. I'm looking forward to this new one that's coming out soon. But um, I think with Jodie, what's her name? The Science of the Lambs, what's her name? Uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, Foster, I think is in it from memory. Actually, um, I think you're right. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, True Detective season one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would say for the the answer to that one. Fargo season one. Ooh, Ooh good job. Fargo, Fargo season one. Good. Oh, yeah. So good. Billy Bob Ford and the Force of Nature. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, uh, my, the only thing I can think of at the moment is Scrubs season six. Yeah, look, I'll pay that. Any, any season of Scrubs. I honestly, Simon, from you, I expected some sort of like really obscure anime or like uh. Blackadder. <laughs> I did think of one more. Like my personal goatee is Community season two. Fucking community. That's yeah. Bad, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at my list as well, tell you what, Fleabag season one was damn good. Oh but, um, yeah. I think I'll stick with I'll, st- I'll stick with um with True Detective. 
I think like just from like recency bias, just because it's somehow stuck in my head, I think Peacemaker, I just think didn't mm-hmm. expect that to be as good as it was. And it just, every week I was on tenterhooks, like waiting for that next episode because it just, it like baited me enough to come back each week and it was just so good. And I feel like it paid off really well, especially about a character that we shouldn't care about at all. Like, after watching the Suicide Squad. So, yeah, and just for them to make a show about it and and it be that good, um, yeah. Speaking of recency bias, bias, Severance Season 1 was fucking great too. Yes, you... also very true. Yeah. So I, I'm hesitant to say okay. that because we haven't seen the rest of the show yet, so. True. Yes. Severance blew my absolute mind. But actually, I just want to mention something about Peacemaker because I, I finished that recently, and yes, it was an absolute joy. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Oh, yeah. Um, Viola Davis? Getting the EGOT today? Did she? Oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. Apparently, the Grammys went for like 14 hours. Yep. <laughs> what? Because, <laughs> um, like, I-, I woke up this morning. I could see people, like, tweeting, like, live things from the Grammys. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. But then I finished work, and people were still tweeting about it. And, like, up to, well, I was making dinner before. And people are going on, on and on, like like breaking news. This just happened. What do you mean? You the only thing stop. I've, the only thing I've seen from the Grammys is that guy trying to pronounce Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it makes me laugh every time. There's a clip of it <laughs> on Twitter. Assassin's can, can you Creed, your best impersonation. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, he just looks at the word like, "What are you?" Had a real so John Travolta moment. It really is. It's so good. Oh, I've watched it a few times and it makes me giggle every time. God damn. Also, wait, what what did it win for? Best video game. Yeah, so they did they actually did um they the the Grammys did a video games category this year for the first time ever. So I can't remember who the nominees were, but it was, there was one that I was like, that's way better, but I don't remember what it was. Um yeah. Was it old mate doing God of War? I think so. Um Mm, okay. All right. Uh, the Academy will be hearing from me. <laughs> Can I throw one more greatest season of TV option out there? Go American Vandal season one. Has everyone here seen American Vandal? Oh, my one, yeah. God. Very good. American Vandal is sick. That is that is like a perfect Super underrated. show. That first season is ridiculous. It's just. Okay. Wait, Simon, so you haven't seen it before, Simon? No. Nah. It is like a, a documentary. Imagine like, I don't know if you're listening like, Podcasts like Serial and stuff like that, like mm. those actually investigative journalism crime shows. It's that about um, it's somebody somebody drawing dicks. It's a guy. Isn't it? Someone On, someone oh. has been graffitiing teachers' cars in the school parking lot with gra- graffitiing dicks on the parking lots. Dick, but it's yep. broken down like a proper <laughs> criminal investigation. <laughs> yeah, it's so and funny. there are it's a documentary, a coming. perfect send up of like every true crime podcast or TV show you've, documentary you've ever seen, basically. But it's like one of those ones where it's so good that, like, if it was real, it would be a great entry in the genre as well. It's it's one of those. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Like, those sort of things normally fall apart towards the end yeah. when the, they're like, okay, no, this is a joke. Let's not really lay into the joke. This continues the same serious tone from mm-hmm. start to finish. Yeah. And it makes it, yeah, it makes it feel real. If you replaced dicks on cars with Bodies and lockers, it would be the most fascinating crime yep. 
documentary of me. It also it it just it has a perspective. It it's not like it, it's not missing heart either. It's that's the thing. It's actually got interesting characters and stories to tell about these characters, and you you genuinely are invested in the story of this mockumentary. It's great. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, I'm just looking Netflix. at this. Much listen. Much watch. I'm just looking at this list of like vi- the video game nominees for the Grammys, and is Bear McCreary is nominated. Wait. Can you can you announce them like your mm-hmm. okay. Grammys? Your okay. So and the nominees are <laughs> Aliens, Fire Team Elite, Austin Wintery, which shout out to Austin Wintery. I would say that on 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 stage. Uh, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok, <laughs> um, Call of Duty Vanguard, Bear McCreary. They so got nominated for Call of Duty Vanguard. Apparently he did the music for that. Didn't know what that. What does the Grammy think it is? I don't know. That- Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. They're a little bit behind the board. And then Old World, Christopher Tin. Like, that's the nominees. For- there must have been a weird cutoff. There must be a weird cutoff for that. There. It must have been. Like- yeah, surely. And look, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first year the Grammys have done video it's, music. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that, that, is a, that is a great evolution of a, of a dying awards show. Yep. Um, so I'm glad it's right at the tail end of it, mm-hmm. but it's it's nice to then be like, oh, it's not all all, all fucking beeps and bops anymore, mm-hmm. kids. Like mm-hmm. that's- things have so- sure come a long way since Pac-Man. Like that was <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> Video games coming a long way. Oh, that was actually not a bad segue at all. The biggest thing in media at the moment is The Last of Us. That's a game. You, I hear you say. It's also a show. I also hear you say. So we brought Brod on because he knows about television and he could speak about it without just being like, it's so good. I love it. Pedro Pascal, what a man. <laughs> Which is what I would do for the next three minutes. Oh, what, a what a man. Yep. What a man. He hosted SNL and he made the show good. Oh SNL God. was good, guys. What the <laughs> fuck? I mean, like, he can, he can do everything. They've yeah. done pretty well um, with their first two hosts of the year, actually, between Aubrey Plaza and Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah, that's right. She did do that. A a decent Plaza. start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Angel, Angel, come to earth. <laughs> but we'll be talking like about another, uh, another um, Parks and Rec Angels Come to Earth. We'll be talking about them very soon as well. But yes, The Last of Us TV show, it is doing absolutely gangbusters for HBO. I actually read that it is, of all HBO shows in history, only one other one has gone up in viewership after three episodes. And that was the first season of White Lotus. That, oh, However, really? Did it, did it at much lower numbers. So right. The Last of Us, is on the way to becoming one of the most successful TV shows of all time. Wow. Yep. That's, it's it's it impressive just because TV live viewership is not what it used to be anyway. So no, I'm interested to compare no. those numbers to like back in the day where people were really watching cable and like appointment TV. But it is very impressive to get to just be doing that at all these days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's broken through to people who don't play games. And this is something we discussed when we were talking about this coming out a few months ago is we really hope that they. D- don't direct this at gamers. And that's what a lot of adaptations mm-hmm. do. They try to appease yeah. fans of the game rather than appeasing, rather than just giving something to fans of a good narrative, which is what um, uh, Craig Mazin and uh, Neil Druckmann have, have done mm-hmm. with this. They're like, yeah. let's just write a good story. Let's make some changes here. Let's make it fresh. Let's make it work. Because look, a one-for-one retelling of The Last of Us would not work as a show. Absolutely not. No. Um, which is something that, something that people are still not quite getting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let's keep it let's keep it broad at first, and then we're going to go into mild spoilers of the first three episodes. Four episodes have come out at this point. I've watched all four, and guys, 
It's good shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth I'm very much looking forward to our end of season review of the show. Um, but yeah, so we might as well for the first three episodes here. Nothing too detailed. We won't go into the nitty gritty of things. Um, it's probably stuff that you've already seen spoiled on um, social media or or in SNL skits now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but Simon, I want to start with you because you, you binge watch these. Yeah, so I've watched the first three episodes basically back to back. So um, last night I watched episode one and two back to back. And then oh, unfortunately I am a real adult with a real full-time job. So I had to go to bed and then get up and go to work. And then as soon as I got home, I shirked all of my adult responsibilities and watched the third episode before immediately coming on for the podcast. So, yeah, I think watching them back-to-back may not be the best way of watching it. Although I would recommend watching episode one and two back-to-back because that flows on quite Mm -hmm. naturally. Um, But then definitely have a bit of a break before you watch episode three because... (laughs) That is three. The tearjerker three for some of us, Simon. Yeah. For some of us, <laughs> yeah. Because Jesse's like, "Oh, I was crying," and I'm like, "Eh." I, 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 you know what they, they call that, Rod? Toxic masculinity. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not shaming you. That's what Simon's bringing. That's what Simon's bringing. I'm not shaming you for crying at all. You know, I teared up a little bit at the end of Persona Five. What's it to you? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that now is the, Come chop some logs on the farm with me. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's been awesome. It's been absolutely fantastic. Because obviously I've, I've seen all of the discourse. I've seen everyone talking about it. I've seen everyone hyping up how good episode three has been. Um, and I was trying to not let my expectations be set too high by people. Because I know it's quite easy to sort of get caught up in it. You're telling um, me the internet's has a knack for being hyper uh, hyperbolic. Um, Internet, don't listen yeah. to it. We love you. Yeah. We need the like. Follow on Spotify and iTunes. Give us reviews. It's a hot tag. No one's ever said this before. <laughs> uh, yeah, and unfortunately, sometimes the internet is wrong about things as well. So This is true, too. Wait, what? I know. It's mm-hmm. mad. Mind-blowing. People, especially like, like the Batman. People, the internet was wrong about the Batman. And like um, people like Joel thinking that Avatar 2 was a terrible movie, which is just straight oh, up. No, true. it's not a good movie. He hasn't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. it. I don't seen want it. to. He doesn't care about it, guys. He That's said it a it. thousand <laughs> times. He does not care about Avatar. And Simon, you're like, stop that? talking about how much Toxic he doesn't masculinity. care about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you won't see Avatar. Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Joel, what are, what are your thoughts on, just before we get into the details about each episode um, a bit more, what are your sort of broad stroke thoughts on The Last of Us? HBO television show out now, Avatar 2, The Way of Water. <laughs> Jimmy Cameron. Oh, damn it. Jesus, um, I nearly spat my war out. <laughs> that is The Way of Water. Um, <laughs> so, Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Fucked. Thank you. I have to um, edit this. I have to hear that joke twice at least. <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Uh, oh, no, uh, The Last of Us, I think, is like, it is fantastic. It's phenomenally good. And that's. That's before I even remove myself. Like, as I'm like, adding to the fact that I am a big fan of like part one and part two, and Naughty Dog as a studio, like in terms of their like PlayStation era of goodness. Um, I yeah, I love The Last of Us and uh, part one and two. Um, I kind of had to because the main character's name is Joel, so it was like, all right, well, I've got, <laughs> I, I've got some stake in the game here, I guess. Um, but 
Yeah, I, so going into it, I was like, I think from what I'd seen in the trailers, I was very excited for it. I was, I was like, it seems like it's getting some stuff right. I'm very excited to see it, uh, the performances and how how they adapt this. Um, and now after watching these three these first three episodes, my God, like it is, they have done, it, like, like you said, exactly what these video game adaptations should do, where it's like you're taking the feel and the general vibe of the source material and then sort of creating its own little monster because really when it comes down to it, most people don't want to see a one-to-one remake. Like that's, that's really, that would be boring after a while. It'd be cool for the people who have played the games and be like, ah, look at that, that part. I remember that. And trust me, I'm a sucker for that shit. Like absolutely. But yeah, especially with episode three, without saying anything, like especially with episode three, um, like, deviating so much from the game and doing it so fucking well. Um, I cannot wait to see where they go with this. It's been great as someone who knows the story to still be surprised by it. I think that's probably the best takeaway I've had from it is that I'm still getting surprised by a story that I know quite well. So yeah, that's where I'm sitting with it at the moment. And I just can't wait to watch more of it. Prod, before we get like your thoughts on the show itself, are you a, f- a fan of the game? Uh, kind of. It took me a long time to get through part one. I think I got um, I got basically to the end of the bill part and for some reason stopped playing and then came back mm. to it years later uh, and eventually finished it. And I think just before, probably before part two came out, I decided to finish it finally. And I don't, I don't, I don't love that game, but I do love the story. I'm not a massive fan of the the game from its gameplay elements, but I think the story is is excellent and really, really well told. And particularly where it ends up, I think the the I actually rewatched the ending um, today, and I'm like, yeah, that that ending's really effective and made me excited for part two, which I didn't, then didn't end up playing past like, first couple of hours. But anyway, um, and so coming into this, I was. Uh, I was, I guess there was a hesitancy and a curiosity just because as everyone talks about the video game curse, I guess there just hasn't been that, um, especially in live action, a video game Mm. uh, adaptation to film or TV that's really been that strong. There's been a bunch of animated stuff that's worked really well, uh, particularly recently with anime stuff like um, Castlevania people really like and obviously Arcane, which we reviewed on Hunting Seasons, by the way. Cyberpunk Um, as well. Cyberpunk, which I haven't watched, but heard great things about as well. Uh, but just this live action, and this seemed like an opportunity for either. It was the it was the next opportunity for it to be the finally the good one. Like I don't know if you guys watched the Halo TV series. I watched the first three episodes. It wasn't I bad, watched, but it wasn't great. I watched, I watched parts, and it was it was fine. It was fine, right? It was yeah. Fine. I watched the first few episodes, and then I heard from some friends that stuck with it for a bit longer. It went downhill very fast, right? And so, you know, we we always have high hopes for these things to finally be the thing that breaks through and, like, proves that video game storytelling can be great and bring it to the masses. And it seems to be this is finally doing it, which is pretty amazing. It's, I think the thing that it's a lot of what you guys have already said, the two things that are impressing me so far is that they are doing adaptation right in that they are taking a great story, but they are adapting it to the medium in a really effective way. Um, and two, they're also taking the opportunity to do things they didn't do or couldn't do in the video game. They're expanding mm-hmm. upon elements mm. to make them bigger and bolder and broader or go into more detail about them. And I think that's uh, exactly what needs to do. And right now, as someone who's not necessarily a massive fan of the gameplay aspect of part one, basically the game, I th- I'm already thinking I'm going to prefer the TV show 
to the game, the way it's going. It's it's going to be my favorite version of it, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the same with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest criticisms of the game itself is turning out to be its biggest strength when it comes to an adaptation. Because people said this is just playing out like it's just playing a movie and there's yeah, some gameplay in between exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. When it comes to the gameplay between, I, I understand the complaints. It, I agree. I yeah. love it. It is one of my favorite games ever made, but it's also one of the ones I can understand the criticism behind it. Um, I can hear, I can hear, I can feel Keelan yelling right now. <laughs> He's yelled at me about that game before and it hurts me. It hurts me deeply. So it is, it's good that he's enjoying the show as well. It's um, funny. It's funny because I feel like, yeah, it is the, the gameplay is the weakest part of that game. Mm. Um, I, I, again, I'm with Jesse. I still, I still really enjoy it. I like scrounging around for things and, you know, like stealthing my way through it. To that, like when he opens up that little like trap door. Yeah. gathering stuff and he's got like tape yep. and stuff and he's got yeah. pills oh, yep. oh my god yep. so like it being one of my favorite games ever I was very very ner- nervous about being made but then you you see all these good things like uh, Craig Mason's um, helping make it and he's like okay yeah. he made Chernobyl which is incredible Pedro Pascal's and I'm like oh Daddy Pascal I mean of course Bella Ramsey she's kick-ass in um, Game of Thrones now I see like Nick Offman's gonna be in it and then it was, it was a moment. Yeah, Anatov. Yeah, Anatov. Oh. Mm. Yes. So good in this. Olivia Dunham. Mm-mm. And then I see um, HBO put out the, their teaser for the year, like their trailer. Like, this is what's on off from HBO. HBO, just the biggest thing when it comes to television. Yeah. And this was a headliner. And I'm like, this is the, this, this is, these are the guys who made Game of Thrones. And they're yeah. putting Last of Us as, as the headliner. So everything was building up. I'm just like, it can't, it can't be that good. It, it just can't be. I would say 20 minutes in the first episode, all my fears were gone. I was blown away. The structure of it. Um, if you want to hear more of my kind of post-show thoughts, I did do a guest spot on um, Fan Criticals podcast. So go check that out. But one of the things I, we're talking about, like how is the structure going to work? And I think they've played that really well. It, I, I'm still wondering how they're going to fit, because they are going to finish part one in season one. I'm wondering how much they're going to cut out. You know, what are they going to do? How are going to mash a few moments together? I've seen them f- sort of take like two points in the story multiple times and sort of attach them mm-hmm. and skip out mm-hmm. a bunch of, bunch of other stuff, but it, it works really naturally. Yeah. Let's, um, let's focus on episode three. So this was, this could have been extremely decisive um de- decisive divisive um and look it was for some people yeah depending mm-hmm. on if you're a for, fuckhead or not yeah that's <laughs> exactly yeah. Yes. for the for their reasons get fucked yeah. don't care about what you have to think about television ben shapiro you fuckhead <laughs> enemy of that's the most enemy of the show great <laughs> it's meant take to be about seen. zombies mate get your wife wet then fucking complain um, <laughs> <laughs> right we don't like we don't like that little rap boy Nobody, <laughs> nobody, 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 nobody,
in a house once you've left Bill. No, no, no. I've rewatched it. Recently. Oh no, sorry, no. You it's find, back in Bill's house. You go. No, you go to Frank's house is where you get the car. Frank yes. has hanged himself because he's yeah. been bitten, and then you find, and then they they did figure that out. That's why he mm-hmm. killed himself. And he's like, "Who the hell's Frank?" And Bill says, "He's my partner." Yes. And then you find after just about you're about to leave, easy to miss in the game. You find the letter back in his bedroom. It's addressed to Bill, and it basically says, "Bill, if you find this, which you won't, because you never come this side of town, I hate you, and I was trying to get out of town, but I guess you, as you said, if I tried to leave, it would kill me, and that's happened anyway. Go fuck yourself, Bill, uh, Frank, basically. And then you can hand that letter to Bill, and Bill's reaction is really interesting because it's kind of, it's it's not like he does say fuck you, Frank." But there's an emotion behind it, like what was written in the letter was like kind. I could hear of- that in Nick Offman's voice just said, yeah. "Hurt me." Yeah. yeah, and there was just something about like that relationship. And then the other bit that I'd forgotten as well is when you were driving away after that sequence, they're going. The, Ellie's took a bunch of Bill's stuff, and one of the things was um, uh, a, a gay porno, essentially, Mag. It's, and so it's, it's the funniest scene in that yeah. game. I love it so much. Um, and so there's See you dudes. these elements of the character are in there, but they're not the story at this point in the game, basically. In um, the show, they decide to take a, quite a different tack. And everyone was really looking forward to the play between Bill and Ellie in the game is really, really fun. Um, and everyone was looking forward to that. They didn't expect to have their hearts ripped out. This is episode all takes part, well, 90% of it is from Bill and uh, Frank's point of view. You get to see Bill sort of start up his his life in this little uh, town that he creates once Fedra's um, left. Also, that cut from the um, baby's clothing to the mother, that was brutal. That was a brutal moment. Yep. There was a lot of there was a role of really hard hitting brutal things in this episode. Who what's that? Kind of we're up to overshadowed what, by the stage. Shadow. What's that? Uh, what's the count now? We're up to three dead kids three dead essentially kids. on screen that we've seen yeah. so far in three episodes. So yeah, one yeah. per episode at this rate. One, yeah, yeah. Um, episode two was pretty like free of it. Yeah, one yeah. Had, episode two, one had two. The double we had two in episode see, one. You see, Bill. He's setting up traps and stuff like that. Frank falls into a hole. Bill basically shows him mercy, and you see Frank goes back to his house. There is Frank picks up that Bill's gay really quickly, and it's it, mm. it's very there's a very fun like back and forth play there, which I I think is so well acted. It's Nick Offerman and uh, Australia's own Murray Bartlett, mm-hmm. yes, um, who are just they're just spectacular. But this whole show is is this whole episode, sorry, is is a love story, a tragic love story because at the end, um, Frank is dying of an unknown disease. It, it's alluded to that it's cancer. Um, there's a really good line when he's, when Bill's like, you know, could we find a, a doctor? And Frank's like, they couldn't cure this before this all happened. Like, mm. this, is, yeah. this is an inevitability. He wants to have one last good day with Bill. Um, and, then, and then he's going to drink some wine with some pills crushed up in it and die. It, it became obvious what was going to happen, mm. but Bill yeah, yeah. also drinks the wine. They die together in each other's arms. Enough to kill a horse. Off screen. It's beautiful, absolutely beautifully I, done. I think the fact that it happens off screen 
mm-hmm. makes it more poignant. There's like a respect to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah and like, there was like a, a, that was a personal moment. Like I know, again, these are not real people. These are not real characters. But that was a private moment. And I'm yeah. like, I don't want to see that. I don't need no. to see that. That is for them. Because in my head, they had like a, you know, a beautiful moment together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you don't, like, it, there's not even like a moment where like Joel goes in there and is like, oh, I found them or anything like that. It's just a, don't go in the bedroom. We've opened a window to make sure the house doesn't smell, but there's probably a bit of a scene. Oh, and man. there's, a, you know, a touch. It, it's tragic humor. In that, yeah, in that it, 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 oh. there's a realism to it. He's a realist. Yeah. He's like, look, we are going to smell this world sucks, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, that whole thing hits so hard, and it's so masterfully acted by, um, especially by Nick Offman. You mentioned Aubrey Plaza before, and you mentioned uh, Severance um, with Adam Scott. Yeah, it, it, we're we're in the Parks and Rec, uh, you know, era. Absolutely. I also I also saw that not um, all the actors I guess that tweet you, you retweeted Jesse of the um this is spirit oh, those box. three are spirit box yeah it was very so very funny. funny I lost when I saw that that's oh, very good so good um yeah no like I mean we go from to get to that point we start off when we first meet Bill with like not today you jackboot wearing fucks like <laughs> yeah which is oh, the, apparently so the best line in that episode is like. We can't. The government are Nazis. They weren't back then. <laughs> yeah, they are Nazis. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, but that apparently that that jackboot wearing fucks lot was a um stage direction in the script, and Nick Offerman apparently went to Craig Mays and I was just like, "You are aware I'm going to say this line. Like, I'm going to read this." And they were like, "Yep, yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, apparently it was it was like a stage direction just to sort of put tone for the screenplay itself." But he's like, no, I'm saying that. That's 100 percent me. It's so, it just, it's so good. It sounds so right coming from Nick Offerman. Like, yeah, yeah, it does. I like that. A lot of people are just like, that was a filler episode. Nothing happened. But I, no, you know, Druckmann was pretty quick to say this isn't a show about zombies. This isn't a show about really about surviving either. It's a show about love. It's about relationships, which is what he's going to record. You forge. He's going to record saying about crisis, like, the first game. The first game is about love, and then he was like, "Part two is about hate," which is very apparent if you've played that game. Um, yeah, it's rough. It's oh boy. Um, but yeah, so he even before this was a TV series, it was always that story was always about love in some way or shape or form. And I think I see a lot of people saying that this is Bill and Frank's story is framing what potentially will be going forward. The letter in particular, I think the letter in particular and like, Mm. and then you put into context what happened episode one, especially where we started and then episode two and where that ended and like, Mm -hmm. pay attention, Ben Shapiro, the story is going to take place over a season. And if you pay attention, you might get an idea what the themes are um, and maybe you shouldn't jump on it being a fucking zombie show. Sorry, failed holiday. Is yeah. not going to be any strong point of Ben Shapiro's. Let's be well, honest. Well, Ben Shapiro's so in general. Terrible criticism of the Glass Onion as well. That was so yeah. fucking funny. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. We should start a. Uh, can we start like a political show? <laughs> just we just like on ben pick, pick like right wing fucks and just dunk on them. <laughs> it's just called Fuck You, Ben Shapiro. That's all it's called. <laughs> it's pretty easy to dunk on <laughs> Ben Shapiro's full foot. The shit. Anyway, it's though. just called Aquaman! Exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> Someone to who, Ben? Fucking Aquaman! 
I love that video. Um, so, um, I, I want to point out that the actress for Ellie has been my, Bella Ramsey. She has been my surprise hit of the she whole is show. Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> when I first saw her, I was like, mm, I don't know, like, eh. but every single line she delivers is so on point, full of character and wit and charm that made the same level of which made me really enjoy the character in the game. You and I like, love episode four so much. Seven, like, I, 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 eight, I think that's the best. Episode. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> so ever since then. What this goes back to is a lot of time when people are casting adaptations, and we've done that, we've been guilty of this on this podcast because we've fan cast a lot of things, and your natural instinct is go for somebody who who looks like the mm. character. Mm. But it's actually something that I learned while watching Solo. I can't remember the actor's name who played young Han Solo in that. Oh, no one does. His uh, career was ruined by that movie. Uh, Aaron, Aaron it was. Someone, Aaron. Aaron, sure, Aaron. Um, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Solo. The Aaron Solo. Solo. The movie. The movie has its problems, but I actually think he's an exceptionally. He he he's really good as Han Solo because he may not look like him, but he gets like some of the mannerisms and some of like the the vocalizations right, and just the attitude and like the suaveness. It, it's it's really good. Like to me, that was a really good depiction of him. I think that's what's all the actors in this are doing. Some of them look dead on, like, Anatole looks spot on. Oh, um, yeah. The moment I also realised that Anatole's also in Mindhunters, uh, lost my shit. She's also, uh, the voice, she's also the voice of the main character in Heavenly Sword. So she has ties to PlayStation. Are you about to, you about to t- t- start talking shit about Heavenly Sword? I'm not- Their sa- cell I'm processor, not- one whole processor in that cell thing, did, did I- just their hair. Am that I game was sick. Shit? I was bringing a point to the table. You filled my heart <laughs> with love, laughter and love. Are you guys telling me that you haven't watched Fringe? Oh my no. god. That's what I'm hearing. Holy yeah. fucking yeah. shit. Get the fuck on. Get the fuck on Fringe. What is I, going why on? Why invite somebody who knows stuff about things? <laughs> He's going to bully us. is sensational in Fringe and you won't think so in the first season. And then stuff will happen in season two. You're like, holy fucking shit. She's amazing. She is. Okay, she's been right. a slow burn building up to this. Holy fucking shit! She's okay. so good. Now, in the time between the Last of Us Part One and Part Two, I may watch Fringe, but let's talk about <laughs> Last of Us Part Two. This was announced. It's confirmed. We need a Last of Us. We need a Last of Us Season Two. So, for those who haven't played the game, when we refer to Part One and Part Two, we're talking about the games. If we're talking about Season One, Season Two, we're talking about the show. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. see how confusing that gets. Yep. Um. Mm. We've got, currently got season one of the show, obviously. Season two has been announced. Uh, Druckmann's come out and said that it will focus on part two, the game, and it will probably split into two parts. So season two uh, will be part two, two parts. Right. So there's mud. Delightful. I'm yeah. wondering how this is going to work. So for one, they're going to have to pack a lot of story into season one to cover part one. Oh my God, this is so confusing already. It's like, <laughs> talking, it's like talking about Final Fantasy or something like that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Now, Broad, you tweeted something really interesting, and this is kind of like what yeah. drove a bit of discussion between us about what you look. It's it's they've kind of said it won't be this, but yes. I still think it could be. Can you explain what your ideal season two of the Last of Us TV show would be? My, my initial thought, having not really played part two, I played up to a critical point, and then stopped for some reason and never went back to it. Um, 
the my thought was like, well, time passes between part one and part two that we don't see. And theoretically, there's a lot of stories that could potentially take place in there. Um, so why, if you, you know, have got a television show and there are stories in there that are worth telling, why not tell some of that stuff that happens between games? It just seems like it makes sense to me. It's they're already doing that inside the show in terms of we're seeing flashbacks to things that we never saw in the game that flesh out the story. So why not give a bit more space? Uh, or with this space, you know, take up and tell some of the stories that take place in between the two games. It just seemed like a good opportunity to me. Though now we've been told by Druckmann that it's not happening. So fuck well, me, I guess. But he's, I, I still he's, think Druckmann uh, is drunk on power at the moment. <laughs> drunk on fame. Well, what happens and when I, HBO I, I goes, hey, hey, by the way, Druckmann, this is now the most successful show on HBO basically ever. We want it to go for more than three seasons. How about <laughs> do yeah. more, please? And is so he certainly persuade him. Hold He's up, sorry. We're going to avoid major spoilers for, the, for part two of the game because there is a major thing we could say here. But Let's that just would say affect, the, fo- that that maybe the would focus make does change. Sure, and maybe that would make sense as to why, because you know how the focus changes, you would want to not change the status quo that much that early, if that makes sense. The status yeah. quo shift is quite big, and so... Maybe that's another reason to have an like an additive season in between, if that makes sense. But there's also the argument too that th- th- some of the stuff that does happen in sort of you know the second half of that game of part two. I wasn't talking about the second half. Uh, well, I mean, is that true? Yeah, yeah, no. But there's some other stuff that could happen that would actually go into that gap. Say to, so to speak, that you sure. could embellish upon. Yeah, Jesse knows what I'm talking about. Interesting. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about there. So there's there is stuff there that they could. There are flashback moments in part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That do f- do fill in the the narrative gap, and that would yeah. be interesting to explore. However, yeah. would it work as effectively? I, if that's how you told that story, though. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because mm. in the, t- the the first four episodes of this show, we've seen flashbacks used extremely yeah. effectively and in ways mm. that the game didn't even didn't toy yeah, with like yeah, yeah. i mean we didn't even mention the um the the amazing scene in jakarta the start mm-hmm. of scene um, oh my god the, the opening scene so good the opening scenes in the 60s Chills. or 70s or whatever it is where they're, yeah. they're talking about like yeah. the theory yeah. like, like, yes cordyceps evolving and stuff yeah old um, mate from the when mummy the, when that um yeah. jonathan when that uh, scientist just says bomb Clearly yeah. says, yeah. says, "My God, take me home. I want to be with my family." Yeah. That is, I, I, I don't know the actor's name, but apparently she's a very, very popular um, actor in Southeast Asia. Mm. She nailed it. Absolutely, that, that was so. I also compelling. want to point out, right, just a shout out to the brave soul who was lying there naked on a table for the opening of episode two, because like credit well, to you, that. I mean, it's a HBO show. They had to get it in there somewhere, right? <laughs> look, look, HBO, HBO, if you're listening and you need a naked corpse, and I'll, I'll do it. Even if you don't need a naked corpse, I'll do it. Yeah. I had a friend yep. telling me that they felt like the show was a, a bit less bleak than the game. I was like, did you watch the scene where a woman advised they should just start bombing the city to stop it, like, and killing, like, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people? That's, that seemed pretty fucking bleak to me. I was. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. yeah I did, did not see I that kid come into the Q, uh, into the um, QZ. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That that was a bit. That was a bit. It. Yep. Yeah. And then sort of rough. he's and and their exit from the QZ also very bleak. Like. Uh-huh. Oh yes. yes. Yeah. So what we're saying is, watch the Last of Us. It's bleak, 
but also heartwarming. It is one of the most emotionally complex roller coasters a TV show has ever taken me on. I, I don't want to. I watched every episode twice. I don't want to diverge from the fact we're talking about season two, but I, I did want to ask the question about episode three. Do you think that was a sad story or a happy story? Extremely happy. Yes. I think happy story. Yeah. Be- yeah. I think it is beautiful. It, uh, it is hopeful and beautiful and very happy. It's a it's a sad ending, I guess, but I guess every love story has a sad ending whether you want it to or Thank not, you. right? Yeah. It's yeah. just an incredibly beautiful one as well. But also it was a they- love story that was allowed to complete. Mm, that you exactly, don't yeah. get that in things. It, it had a natural, like, like you said, all great loves have a conclusion. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. It sucks. It's rough. But this got, we get to see it. And they, they went in their own terms together. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, after, it was after the having happiest possible ending. You 20 could have, years in, in together. World, it's as happy live, as you could be. Exactly. Yeah, Living yeah. a life together, like a full life together, mm-hmm. as far as you can, like you said, in this world. Like it, they got to redo the boutique store. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Frank got everything you wanted. Yeah. They got to make friends, have dinner yeah. parties. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. I've been talking uh, to a lovely woman on the radio. You what? <laughs> 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 but that, I think that story is like the perfect example of a beautiful tragedy mm. because. Mm-hmm. It's a tragic world. It's that the characters themselves are tragic in their own way. Um, you know, it's there is lots of tragedy spread throughout it, but it's overall a beautiful story. And it mm, ends I don't know if I describe and, it as a tragedy because tragedy normally suggests like you like if I'm thinking of like a Shakespearean tragedy. It's normally that you fall victim to like your own weakness or something like that. Like the opposite happens here. They both find some each other and grow. Each other. Yeah, like Nick Offerman's mm, character is better at the end than it, it is only oh, yeah. a tragedy in the sense that it ends, but like I said every it's just because we get to see that far into the story really more than mm. anything. I don't think like it would have been a tragedy if Bill accidentally killed Frank and then killed himself or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like he or he did something trying to protect Frank that ultimately killed him and then he, like that's more of a tragedy. This was Sad. I think, but it the wasn't most like tragic a tragedy. Off, off this for me at least was the fact that Bill only became him his true self once everyone else was gone. Mm. If this that, didn't happen, yeah. he that would have ne- he would never have had that. Sure. So he, that that was sad and tragic in, in itself on like a broader scale. But I think the story itself was one pure, purely of joy. Mm. And can we just say we not only got a verbalized Nick Offerman laugh, giggle. Oh. We also got one read out by Bella Ramsey. <laughs> Lost my shit. That's All right. so good. Guys, we're going to keep the uh, Last of Us uh, reviews and news and i got to find out another word that rhymes with that, don't I? Um, in the coming weeks and we'll do a full season review once it's all wrapped up. But let's move on to a little bit of a, a little bit of a focus. Let's focus on on a on a certain director, I went and saw a knock at the cabin yesterday, and we'll get to my thoughts on that <laughs> shortly. But I thought let's do a bit of a broader talk about M Night Shyamalan, um, visionary. Love him, genius. Or hate him. Uh, he is definitely a, an eclectic fella. I want to go through some of his films. I want to get through all of his films. <laughs> Brief discussion on each one of them. There are some 
look, there are some highs. Definitely there are some highs. There are some of the lowest lows that have ever lowed. But I want to go through them and I want to rank them. Okay. I don't get stuck too much on the negativity. Cause I know I'm saying that to myself, really. Cause I, I can really <laughs> go to town here on some of on some of his films. Is what I'm here for. But honestly. Yeah. what I've, I've got to say is actually the more research I did about the, the, the fella, I kind of like him. He seems like a really likable dude. Um, but let's go around the room. Broad, you're you're the the the, the cinema expert here. When oh, I say M night, sweet, you can be expert of whatever Excellent. you want, really. <laughs> Basically, you're smarter than the rest of us on all topics, oh, God, so okay. you can be an expert. Great, Great. no pressure. Um, when I say M night to you, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, what a twist! Um, basically, I mean, that's his signature. At least it was for a long time. Yeah, uh, I think what's interesting about M. Night, as you said, it's a very eclectic sort of series. It's he's, His career started so high, he was considered to be the next Steven Spielberg. And then movie by movie by movie by movie, that image disappeared, basically. And now he's sort of trying to, re- yeah, revive his image through these mid-tier, I don't know, mid-budget thrillers, I guess, is what we're living through. He's always been doing sort of thrillers with and twisty films, but yeah. Um, uh, my thoughts are mixed bag with, yeah, more shit in there than there should be. So that's probably the most positive re- review we'll get <laughs> <laughs> from all of us. Uh, Joel, Emma Knight, what do you think of the old, the night, the Nightingale? I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of his stuff. Like I've seen, I've seen some of the the highs, probably the ones that I've actually seen, um, and I did enjoy them. I think, I think in this day and age where storytelling in like cinema and even TV has gotten so good, I think the idea of just putting a twist in for twist's sake is a little bit old. Um, yep, pun intended. Um, but <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> uh, I'm on fire tonight. I'm I'm feeling this. Um, yeah, but I th- I think it's a little bit. Uh, it's getting a little tired. Um, and if you don't have any sort of clout or weight to back up said twist, then I don't think it's. I don't think audiences will particularly feel like it's earned. So I yeah, I think he's becoming a little irrelevant in a way. But apart from being sort of the punchline when it comes to talking about movies with twists and things like that. But, I mean, it's sort of like that he was the one who sort of brought it to the main, like put put that idea back into like the general audience's heads of like having a, a midpoint of the movie where something so left field comes out of nowhere and, and, and blindsides you. But, um, yeah, I, like, I, I enjoy some of his films that will, the ones I'll probably will talk about. But, um. Yeah, I can also appreciate and understand the fact that there are some really not good things that he has done. Some mo- some movies that are just absolutely plain garbage, and and especially considering you know on the topic of adaptations for for this episode, I think I think there's some people on, on this uh, on this podcast tonight that might have some the things to say about Simon that. The look Simon just gave. Whoa! <laughs> I was looking at Broad as that well. Was, so that was just darkness. <laughs> there was a there was a darkness in your eyes, Simon, that I've not seen before. There there is a special darkness in my heart reserved exclusively for M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong and the way he ruined Avatar. Because we could have had an incredible movie franchise to complement 
the incredible animated TV show. Like, it could have been, could have been incredible. But no, he fucked it. It was all laid out perfectly. Like the the groundwork was there. We'll get we'll get into that there. We'll get into that in a moment. But I disagree. I don't think the groundwork was there because it was such an incredible anime that it was impossible to um, make an adaptation that worked. They could not do. I don't. I don't care who was directing it. No one would get it right. It's also it's an anime, so none of the fans would be happy regardless. (laughs) However, I think he did an exceptionally poor job of it. Okay, I disagree. I'm not saying it was good. Hundred percent. I think this is absolutely adaptable into a film, and he just fucked it because it's not that complex. Of first season of Avatar: Last Airbender, I want to put this on record. Avatar: Last Airbender is my favorite television show of all time. I love it, my whole heart. Hold up. Let's put a pin in that because we will get to it in a moment. Okay, okay. And I've got a feeling. Okay. I want to. I want to put the toss back on okay. you to shaking up Coke bottles. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you full of Mentos? <laughs> You're gonna wait. Okay. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Look, like like I said before, I don't like a lot of his works, but as I research more of his more of his films, I realize there's a lot of them I also don't like, but I can understand why other people <laughs> like them. Okay. I I don't think there's a movie on this list that I. Particularly, would say that I I like that I would watch out of enjoyment. Um, if I was to watch any of these movies again, it would be some sort of BDSM setup, um, <laughs> where this is some sort of punishment. Okay, all right, I can, I can get that organized for you if that's what Jeez. you want. Thanks, Daddy. Um, <laughs> God damn it! Um, I I also just just fun fact. I think the biggest twist of all is: Did you know that? Uh, M. Night wrote the screenplay for Stuart Little. I did know that. Oh, maybe yeah. I had heard that one somewhere along the lines. Yeah, wow. I definitely right. heard that. That's fun. <laughs> Let's get into his movies. Now, his first two, I'm not going to rail them too much. We haven't seen all these films. I think between us, we've probably seen most of them, but these first, I, know, I don't think any of us have. Him, his first film, 1992, Praying with Anger. Uh, it was a debut film, self-funded, quite young at the time. Uh, the very personal story about an Americanized young man returning home to India. So quite a personal story. Um, from what the reviews and stuff I've read. It was sweet. It meant, well, he was a protagonist. His acting isn't fantastic in it. But again, first film, well done. Um, 1998, we had Wide Awake, which is about a kid who goes to find God after his grandfather died. You'll find that faith is a very strong thread in all of his films um, also working with kids which to his credit he actually had pretty decent performances from kids mm-hmm. in these films um, it was uh, Wide Awake was a bit of like a, a, a comedy drama it did pretty well 1999 though third film that he makes one of the biggest films of all time the twist film mm. the fucking sixth sense what a third film to make The one, Bruce yeah. Willis Haley Joel Osment kid can see dead people also, heads up, we're going to probably ruin the twist for all these films. Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. You know, which is such a meme that, now, but that's spoiled to me in Scrubs. God damn it. <laughs> that's how I. That's someone how I went to school really. with, someone I went to school with just wanted to tell me what, what it was. They're like, oh, oh, it's a twist. You want to know? And I'm like, he's like, do you want to know? I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, you were, and he pestered me so and wore me down. I was like, fine, fucking tell me. And he's like, ah, Bruce Willis is dead. And I'm like, cool. And then we watched it like two weeks later in like a class. And I was like, 
fucking awesome. Like, that, <laughs> that's what happened to me as well. Someone was like, oh, I saw Six Sense, an amazing movie. It's like I knew about like the Kick and Z dead people. And they're like, so the movie starts and Bruce Willis gets hit by a car or something like that. I can't remember. It's been a while. He gets shot. He gets shot, shot, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he gets yeah. shot. And I'm like, oh, he's dead the whole time. I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? It's like, because you just <laughs> fucking set it up in a way that made me easily guess it. That's why. I did. I did read something interesting about that movie, though, is the fact that you never see, after he gets shot, you never see Bruce Willis physically open a door mm. in the entire rest of the movie. And I was like, oh, that's a nice little. little it, it's one of the films that, like, if you were to rewatch it, again, I've only ever watched it once, but I watched a few reviews mm-hmm. on it today. When you rewatch it a second time, it is a much better film because you're like, wow, that is really well hidden. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is the time before the internet where. We could actually have these sort of moments. Look, nowadays you you can't. I I had to watch The Last of Us today during my mm-hmm. lunch break. What am I? What am I even had to? I got to. Um, sorry about the long lunch break work. Um, no, to avoid not. spoilers, because I I wanted to make sure that it, nothing got ruined for me. Back in the day, they could they could do stuff like this, and you know, like you know, Darth Vader being Luke's father and stuff like that. I miss it. I miss mm-hmm. the innocence of that. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. why you actually find a lot of his films, his latter films, M Night, that is. Don't do the twist. Not as many of these films do a twist as you would think, mm. which kind of disappointed me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Sixth Sense, I, I can imagine when we get to our ranking at the end, we'll view, uh, rank quite highly, as may 2000's Unbreakable. He went from strength to strength here. Uh, Bruce Willis again. He must have some sort of, I don't know, dirt on him. Bloody shit. Um, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. This is considered to be some of their best performances. I think okay. it's his best movie. I think. Okay. Emma uh, 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 Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Uh, I think it's his best movie. I think it's just the most interesting, especially in a time before superhero films were really big. Like this yeah. was around the time that X Men and Spider Man was sort of coming yeah. out. Um, but they were telling a really interesting, essentially spoilers for Unbreakable, I guess, superhero origin story of sorts. But like also had this sort of gritty realism to it that- It was very, very muted and yet completely- like Grounded. This yeah. couldn't be made today because the landscape of the superhero movie is too warped in people's perception of it. But this was fresh. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the um, twist in this one, um, I thought was really compelling as well. Because it was, it was more glass character- the whole time. It was more character motivated- um, rather than this is the thing you didn't see, it was like, oh, okay, you you look back and understand the film and what and and the what the characters are doing a lot better because of it. All right, let me ask a question here. What do we consider a twist as opposed to just general storytelling, like a revelation? Because I don't actually, I don't. I mean, would you consider the the, the quote unquote twist and unbreakable? And every list I've read today lists it as a twist. As one of the best twists that he's he's done, but to me it's just like I don't know. Like, it, it, is there a difference? All of them are storytelling tools, essentially. They're just mm. a way of telling the story, and and one way is to make it fun by keeping keeping information from the audience. I guess that what's different about this one is it's also yeah, it's kept from the main character on purpose because that's the plan. Whereas you wouldn't. Mm say that like the sixth sense twist is anyone's plan no one's actively doing that it's just the mystery that he's yeah. trying to solve of what happened to him essentially um i don't know is the twist in signs a twist that the signs aren't actually about like the title of the film is not referring to what you think it's referring to that's kind of the twist of signs right 
Oh, I, I think the, the the twist in this film was Joaquin's Phoenix hip as he leant back and he swung away. The ending of the sign sucks so much. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, let's move on to signs. I Sign, like that film a two. lot. Aliens. I like signs. Aliens. I, I quite like signs. <laughs> I really it, like signs. It's good. It's good. Good movie. But there are some moments. There's two moments in particular that stick out with me. The the birthday party Great. Oh my video. God. When the little alien fuck just skitters about like, <laughs> like at the, in, in a time before the shit out yeah, of me as a kid. In a time before like we sort of knew like looking at it now you're like, okay, even still it's still scary, but I think it's just because of like I'm having like flashbacks to originally watching it. But like in like a pre-YouTube TikTok era where like you know people were doing like nowadays are doing these sort of like fake out sort of horror like oh there's tiny little eyes in the background you can't see this person like you know standing there um like th- this was terrifying and the way that it's shot and it's just oh the alien ugh, looks like rolls. it was in the shower and realized it didn't have a towel and it had to do that <laughs> cheeky little run <laughs> it's such a little creepy yep. little perverted run and then later in He's the film, just going, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the film, the, the aforementioned aliens come in and they're doing all sorts. They've got weird things coming out of their wrists that blow the smoke. The worst decision shit. in the film is that you can see the fuckers. Like yep. that looks so yeah. shit. And then they're like, oh, how, how do we, how do we, how do we beat these people? Um, also, just worth noting, um, Hollywood. This movie contains Hollywood dickhead Mel Gibson. Um, yes. but let's not talk about him at all. Yeah. Uh. Joaquin Phoenix's character uh, is told to swing away because that's what the mother said to do. Uh, and he beats the shit <laughs> out of these punk aliens with a bat. <laughs> these aliens who have traveled a quadrillion light years to a planet predominantly covered with water. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they thought, nah, we'll land on the, land on the green part. We'll be fine. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> and they get their, uh, they deserve to get their ass fucking kicked. By uh, with a baseball bat in a house that's made up of wa- glasses of water because the daughter just has like a it kidney. It was issue. a I, sign. It was a sign. If there was the a glass was of water, left, the water was left all over the house so they could beat the. It was a sign. It's that's the I, point I, of the movie. I have a joke with like I'll, I'll be like I'll be doing some cleaning up around the house and I'll find like two or three like half drunk cans of like Pepsi Max. And I'm just like, what do you think you are, Ash? The girl from Signs? It's just a joke that we have. It's starting she, with- She's chasing you around with a baseball bat. But yeah, basically, yeah. It's When the aliens think- turn out to be toxic to uh, fucking Pepsi Max, who'll be that's laughing? That's it. Yeah. Be oh, laughing. boy, that's it. Game it's over. It's probably toxic to us, at us humans, really. I mean, it definitely is. Uh, oh, I drank so much but- Pepsi Max today. <laughs> I drank so much Pepsi Max. If you, I love the yeah, shit. For relaxing times, make it Pepsi Max times. Going back to your earlier question, though, like what makes a twist a twist? I think the what makes a good twist is when it, I guess, sort of completely adjusts your perspective of the preceding events. Mm-hmm. It, it it warrants like, a rewatch. Yeah, like Thor, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Actually, <laughs> I I agree. I think I think Thor is the last good twist in a film. I it's been ages since I last watched Thor, and to be honest, good I didn't. Pay much the guy in the middle. Alive, believe it or not, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pay attention to him much last time I watched it. So neither did they. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, I, th- I think like um, glass onion and knives out. And knives stuff. out. Knives out. Just like, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, like those, those sorts of twists where it like completely shifts your perspective of everything that happened before. There are multiple twists in. in there are Knives so out. many twists in Knives Out, and yeah. I love it. it and I so say, good. I've been looking at these here peculiar aliens, and I've seen they've got a certain <laughs> distaste for H two O. Yes, please. He doesn't um, speak like I, that at all. <laughs> I would also, I would, I would also say things like um, Parasite as well. I think that's sort of like. From a marketing perspective, like you watch some trailers for that, and it feels like it's going to go one way, and it doesn't. And the way yeah, that it goes, yes, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's the way that it does go is way more interesting. Twist. But, yeah, I think to me, the, the M Night twist, which is my favorite dance, um, which is my favorite, my favorite sex position, um, <laughs> it warrants a rewatch. And I think you're. I think you're right. None of the characters on screen should know at that mm. point. Mm. So in, in a movie like like um, Unbreakable, Glass knew the whole time. So mm-hmm. in World, it wasn't a it wasn't a massive revelation to everyone. Whereas in Sixth Sense, no one knew he was dead. Like none of the characters involved knew that Brucey Boy was dead. Yeah. So I think that that and that that warranted a rewatch. So look, by the end of the, by the end of the podcast, we will have a firm definition of this already <laughs> well-defined term. <laughs> but let's move on to two and four. The village, uh, gothic town of Covington. A bunch of people live there. Oh, it's the, it's it's now times. Um, I <laughs> watched this it's very brief. It, well, I mean that that is the plot. That is it's a twist. I guessed from the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I think this this is to me the first one that he he realized that the twist was his brand. Yeah. And that it was a mm. massive marketing tool. Yeah. And he forced it in. I think he had the he had the twist first and wrote backwards. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even like the justification was are oh, the elders of the town like 30, 40 years ago wanted to keep their family safe from the tra- tragedies of the world. What are you on about, M Night? <laughs> I, I keep I like, also I realize I keep saying M Night like that's his his first name. That's his name, yeah. Manite, <laughs> what are you doing, Manite? Manite, <laughs> my cap. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ! I was just thinking oh. that as well, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what a twist! <laughs> I, um, I'm on fire, oh, Joel. I'm dizzy. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we think of the village? Never saw it. Uh, yeah, I don't never think I've ever it. seen it. It's... I, th- I think I think this is such an unremarkable movie that like I didn't even know it was a movie. Yeah, it's, until it's, you it's, it's brought nothing. it up. Even the name, like the village, everyone yeah. gave everyone gave plain shit. I mean, yeah. the village isn't much better. All right, they put that <laughs> in front. Good stuff. Yeah, at, least, at least Resident Evil got it right by you know making it cool. Oh, village. Oh, oh yeah. village. Yeah, right. Took me a second. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like evil village and putting the eight in there, like, come on, that yeah, was pretty cool. That's that was pretty cool. clever. Yeah. Two thousand and six, M Night, top of his game. He thinks he thinks I'm going to put myself as a protagonist in this here film, as a protagonist who will save the world. My writing skills can do that. He released a little film called Lady in the Water, which is literally about a mermaid that needs to find a writer whose future works will save the world, and that writer is M Night Shyamalan. What the fuck? Yeah. Another film I never saw. See, at this point, at Neither this point, I. the M Night Shyamalan train had crashed and burned. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. and well, it like hasn't crashed it yet, wasn't baby. a draw to see. Well, well, there's, it's there's rolling down places, the hill. There's places beyond crashing, and the <laughs> and 
the uh, the reviews the, like were coming out so thick and fast how bad they were. It's like, why would you ever go and see this at the cinemas? Why would you even rent it out from Video Easy? And this is back in the day, This right? was his morbid curiosity phase. Mm. Where, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, the train has crashed, mm-hmm. but in the next two films, next three films, he's in hell and he falls off the boat at the River Styx. <laughs> Okay. Yep. He's yep. flailing in the water like Lisa at a theme park. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. 2008 was one of the darkest years in humanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a film was released known as The Happening. A film that ironically made many people feel the same way as the characters in said film felt. What's going on here? <laughs> Some sort of happening. <laughs> that, yeah. All right. This movie is about the wind tells people to kill themselves. Uh, the, the, I, That's I can't, schizophrenia. I can't mm-hmm. explain it. Should be it diagnosed any, by a medical professional. I can't explain it any better than that. Isn't it like nature is like getting back yeah, so at humanity or something the like plants, that? Uh, yeah. Ben Affleck. What's his name? Is isn't it? Uh, Mark, Marky Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Look, this is some it's, sort of we did for. This is yes. some, some sort of a cosmic karma for things Marky Mark has done in the past. Um, not <laughs> the best bloke around, but <laughs> basically he plays a, a teacher in a world where people have just started killing themselves in the most strangest of ways. So at the start of the film, there's a woman who has um, some culturally appropriative chopsticks in her hair, pulls one of them out and slides into her neck. As a friend looks out in horror, you see a bunch of builders jumping off rooftops, raining down like hail. You see a cop shoot himself, and then somebody walk up to that gun, picks up and shoots himself. Yada, yada, yada. You get the gist of it. The death gets stupider, believe me. Um, Marky Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel, they try to escape the nothingness. They don't know what it is. They think it's like a biological terror stack. Um, then they realize that, like, you know, being in the city is more dangerous when when you find out what the twist is doesn't actually make a lot of sense um there's a part in a pub where a lady shows him literally just says hey look at this shows him an absolute pristine 4k on one of these 2008 fucking motorola razors or some shit (laughs) shows him on his phone a video of a man who jumps into a lion's cage at a zoo and just like kneels down and the lions rip him and rip him apart and and she just like looks at him like my point my part in the narrative is completed and walks off the most stilted performances when i'm calling a mark Wahlberg performance bad mm. i'm talking fucking bad i'm talking below the bottom of the barrel the little gap between the bottom wood of the barrel and the fucking mud underneath it okay is where <laughs> his performance lays in this film just like the most confused unaffected face there's a part where he sees from miles away somehow a man who's on a ride on lawnmower now at this point everyone knows that there is something going on but this bloke thinks nah it's Sunday morning I got me That's Sunday morning routine I gotta mow the lawn okay <laughs> and he does that he's like oh no the, the grass told me to off myself and he jumps out <laughs> and he lays down and he lets his like ride on lawn, lawnmower run over him Yada, yada, yada. Things happen. A few kids join their little group of survivors. They find a house. Two of them get absolutely fucking bodied with a <laughs> shotgun. Okay. One of them's like at the door and gets like a shotgun 
to the to the chest. The other one gets a shot to the back of their head, and Mark Wahlberg in slow motion. In not many scenes have needed slow motion less than this. Okay, <laughs> like my recommendation if you were to watch this is to play that fast motion because you'll feel less. It'll feel less jarring. Then at the end, they go to some old woman's house for safety, even though they still don't know what this is. The old woman goes crazy, starts accusing Mark Wahlberg of wanting to drink her lemonade, which, okay. Then she's outside and becomes some, some sort of, like, zombie, almost. She's going window to window, smashing her head into it. And then they realize, oh, it was the plants. This was, this was Earth's way of um, saying, enough, enough is enough. We've had it with you humans. Us trees, us. We've had an end moot, and we've decided, to, <laughs> <laughs> we've decided that no more. And then the plants decide, nah, you're all right, and it just ends. <laughs> now you may be wondering, Jesse, how did you know that much about that film? I have seen it <laughs> so oh, many God. times. I should take back the fact about not watching M Night films um often because there's two M Night films, and I'll get to the other one soon. That just appeared in my house one day. <laughs> I've got a feeling my dad may have bought them. So I had the two-disc special edition copy of The Happening <laughs> oh my in my God. house. I may still have it somewhere. So I have, have an not, audio commentary, I, and have you listened to it? Yes. I have <laughs> watched every special feature, including the one with M. Night being interviewed, covered in dark, like he's shrouded in mystery, like like a criminal on a current affair. You know how their wow. faces are in shadow? <laughs> and I'm, I'm fairly certain, despite being in shadow, he's still facing away from the camera. And he talks oh about God. the scene with, with um, the two kids being shot, and he's like, I wanted to create the most dramatic and impactful scene in cinema history. You fucking failed, champ. Okay. Yeah. The happening for the longest time was my least favorite movie ever. Don't worry, it gets beaten on this list twice. <laughs> okay. All, all I know about this movie is my my wife hates this movie. Like she was just like every time that it gets brought up, she's like, oh, "Fucking happening!" And you just. I've never. She doesn't get super mad about movies or anything like that. Like, but I've never seen her get so upset about a movie, except for maybe one other movie that we've seen, we're going to talk about on this list, probably very soon. So, I have been meaning to watch this movie ever since the Honest Movie Trailers did a great video on it. Oh. It's the sort of film that I really want to sit down with Damask. We love watching bad films and uh, getting drunk and something else, and uh, really, really enjoying a bad <laughs> film. Um, but have you guys ever seen the 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 remake of this? I'm sorry, what? Oh, That's like saying, have you read the what? Bible? No, no, term. no, 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 no. It's not. It's not <laughs> called The Happening. It was two years later, 2010. It's a film called Birdemic Shock and Terror. Have you ever seen oh, Birdemic? I've heard of Birdemic. I've heard of Birdemic. It's essentially the same movie if you think about it, and it is an absolute stone cold classic. If you want to watch a bad film while affected by. Alcohol and other things. Uh, fuck it. Other things, friends of the show. It's the other, other things. things. <laughs> um, we, we rate it other things. <laughs> it is an absolute sponsor. stone cold classic. It is all my all time favorite bad films. Somehow, oh, yeah. better than The Happening, but worse than The Happening at the same time. Amazing. All right. Um, Simon, Rod, mm-hmm. like they say in Sixth Sense, I've used this joke. Yeah, in Science, sorry. I've used this joke twice. Swing away. All right, I'm going to give you a few minutes on this one. Keep it, ab- keep it above the waist, okay? There's no such thing as the face or the hair. 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too personal on M Night. He's still a human. Remember that he's actually very, very cute. I do want to pinch his little cheeks. He seems like he would be very short in real life. So let me. I feel like he is. is. I feel like he is. Twenty ten. Yeah. Avatar. Two. The wave one. <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> the last. Got him. Airbender. The floor is yours. Um, this film Go is an atrocity. It. This is legitimately my favorite fucking show of all time. I but the funny thing is, I only came by Avatar: The Last Airbender because of this movie. I was listening to a podcast oh, really? called The Slash Filmcast. Uh, Devendra Hardwar was on that film uh, on that show. He loved Avatar: The Last Airbender. We talked about it for ages, and this film came out and they reviewed it and they were like. This is so bad. I'm so worried that no one's ever going to watch this show ever again because this movie was so bad. So I was like, what? I'll give it a go. It is now my all-time favorite television series of all time. So I will give it that. It got me to watch what is now my favorite TV Silver series. Silver linings. But holy but, but, yeah, fucking but, shit. Is this movie yeah. just a piece of dog feces? Holy crap. There is nothing redeemable. There's the only thing that There's might nothing. be redeemable. There is like, and it's like you'll appreciate it from the trailers. Visually. Yes, you're getting to see bending and like upper and stuff like this visualized in 3D for the first time. And that's kind of cool on every other level, casting, writing, co- choreography, whatever the fuck you want. This film is a disaster. And I resent the idea that this is not like season one is not ad- adaptable. If it was done well, you could totally adapt season one. You just have to do a job of actually adapting it and not trying to like speed run through the season, like the individual episodes and do a shitty job of it. What the fuck was this M night? But I don't blame M night necessarily. Why they think M night was the guy to do it. What about his bad catalog made you go, Oh yeah. M night Shyamalan's the guy to bring up the next star Wars potentially. Um, That's happening. Lady in the water. (laughs) The village. Why is this the fucking guy? Why is this the guy? And why weren't Bryke involved? Anyway. Uh. Anyway, yeah, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here and basically say, yeah, I totally fucking agree. I would also argue though there is one other silver lining to this absolute dumpster fire of a movie, and that is the girl that played Princess Yue Play went Asami. on to yeah went on to voice mm-hmm. Asami in mm-hmm. Legend of Korra, and Asami is one of my favorite characters in that whole goddamn show. And side note, Legend of Korra is fantastic. It is fantastic. I fucking love it. Joel. It's obviously not as good not as good as the last airbender. I would argue, like, though, that season three of Korra is the best individual season of either show. I would agree with that. Hey, I totally agree Joel, with quick, quick, quick sidebar here for you. Uh-huh. None yeah. of these other films have had silver linings. This one's had two. <laughs> That's true. I just want you to remember that when it comes to voting at the end for ranks, okay? Yeah, it's yeah, no, it's but hang true. on. It's Simon, Simon, it's- Simon, sidebar. Joel, <laughs> this is, I think we're doing this is- to be top ranked. This is yeah, circumstantial. This is circumstantial. Both of them. I've seen this. Circumstantial. Joel, can you can you just close the door behind you? We're splitting the <laughs> yeah. room too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen the, this. I haven't seen the anime. So what are that? What are that? Can you stop I've, calling it anime, hey. please? Why the fuck are you calling it anime? It's an American hey, yeah. cartoon. It's a Nickelodeon show. That disembodied. That disembodied voice in the other room, but I'm ignoring yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say that disembodied voice is correct, but also, um, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen either of them, so it's fine. I'm just going to say, right. you, you both need to watch the Have cartoon, you seen, like, straight up. 
I don't, I don't know how Simon interrupted me while I'm different, but Joel. I'm, I'm a voice you... on the wind, and if you carry on, I'm going to tell you to kill yourself or something. <laughs> I, I sort of zoned out for that bit. <laughs> All right, tree from the happening. Um, <laughs> I was going to make uh, Avatar 2, The Way of Water, Jimmy Cameron's magnum opus in cinemas now oh, joke. Thank you. Thank you for that, Simon. You've saved Simon me. Simon comes washing on in. <laughs> All right. But I just want to say the, the silver linings are... At, at best circumstantial Still. and secondly because of the fact that like the the base product was already so fucking good yeah. like it's it's almost it's almost impossible to describe how blundered of an opportunity this is like you, you fumble something right. every once in Could a while it be a like, fake yeah, comparison? Happens. but this this isn't a fumble this is like this is like i don't know let's say you're you've, you're carrying an urn filled with your grandmother's ashes. <laughs> you drop it. You drop the urn. Ashes spill everywhere. You trip over the urn. You shit yourself at the same time. And you vomit <laughs> into a, the urn. Like, what the fuck has gone wrong here? Like, there is so much that has gone wrong. And this is this is that movie encapsulated. That was, that was in... very graphic. <laughs> that was a lot. I had to try and get the point across this fucking movie. <laughs> okay, here's, here's, my, here's my comparative to this. So can you guys tell me how close it was? Dragon Ball movie, no, or whatever the fuck no, they called it, no, Evolution. Okay, no, let's no. let's call that. Well, let's call that. That's the, like the let's like, let's call that a ten out of ten, because I know this movie is worse <laughs> than that. Let's say that that was a ten of ten out of ten adaptation. What would this rank as? Negative eight hundred and six. I don't okay. understand the question. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> like on this scale, on this scale, everything else loses meaning. Yeah, every, like, okay. Gross. All right. Cool. It's like a quantum shitness. <laughs> like it's so. All right. It's like let's move on. It's just it's, well, the, 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 it's just it's hard. I love Dragon Ball, right? But Dragon Ball Z and Avatar: The Last Airbender do not two great animes, compare. Joel. Two great animes. Oh, <laughs> they don't compare. I meant to say animated, but I have a lisp. <laughs> yeah. Came Avatar wrong. The Last Airbender is one of the greatest stories ever fucking told on screen. And it's a fucking easy touchdown to make a movie series out of this. It is totally. all there. 100%. With Dragon Ball, I can see how you can fuck it up. Especially when you're trying to adapt it to an American audience or whatever they were trying to do with Dragon Ball Evolution. It's like- yeah. The, it's all there. I'm going to say something here, but though. But none of it is there. It's, I feel uh, like M. Night was really set up to fail here. He he had never done a real big budget film. This yeah, I blame, was his first the, I blame one. The, the studio as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I think, I think there was a lot of studio, studio interference. They rushed it a lot. They, yeah. they gave him way too much money. He's never done that before. He was not the right person for this job. No. So I, I do How does look an some Indian credit American him? director whitewash this this film as well. This <laughs> that's, that's the bit that doesn't make sense. Point. As an Indian Irish Australian, guys all Indian give me everybody else white. What the fuck? Um, how, how'd that happen? And look, I'm gonna and give also, a, before we move on to the next next film because I can feel Simon is about to go on a rant here. Um, I, I do want to give him a little bit of credit here, Simon. I will edit your audio out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I want to give him a little bit of credit here for him realizing when he did this big budget film that he's like that. I think he, he can acknowledge it wasn't good. He defends so he, this day. Well, he's a fucking yeah. idiot then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I do like that he went back to the more mid-budget film. He didn't try to stick yeah. with that. Whether that's studio oh, being like, no, no, what the fuck are you doing? No. That money again. But, okay, let's move on to a, a, a special mention. He didn't um, produce or whatever. He was involved with the story. He was a story developer for a little film 
called Devil back in 2010. Five strangers get stuck in an elevator. Simon, can you guess what one of them are? Um, uh, hmm, it's Jesus. Oh, I knew I asked the wrong person. Uh, sounds like <laughs> sounds the like devil, okay? Beelzebub. That was the twist, Simon. Beelzebub <laughs> himself. <laughs> Jesus sounds was like, actually the devil the whole time. Ah. Sounds like a uh, real elevator. Right, listen to you. My luck had to run out eventually. My luck had to run out eventually. This is like Bill and Frank didn't open the window. Icarus flew too close <laughs> that was, to the sun. Was, that was my Icarus moment. 100% flew too close yeah. to the sun. <laughs> On wings made of puns. I'm done. Um, look, this movie sucked. And the only reason I bring it up is when I was telling my, my partner, Sophie, that we were going to be ranking and discussing the M. Night films, she got so mad and she's like, you need to mention devil. <laughs> like she had the devil in her eyes. I remember watched it with her and like, she was mad. I've like, I've pissed her off before, but I haven't seen that rage in another human being. I, I feared for my life when it was just revealed that it was just the old lady. <laughs> you wouldn't suspect the old lady. No one suspects the butterfly. The old lady that died at the start of the film too, if I remember. She was like the first yep. one to go. She pops up a lot like saw. a like saw. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, you should see Saw, Simon. That was too many S's. That was too many S's. That was too many S's. I flew too close to the sun as well. I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I like I, I think Brod said that he uh, I think before we started recording that he he thought this one was okay. That this movie was okay. And I know I know why, because I know Brod. I know because this is essentially Bottle episode, the movie, and Brod is a sucker I for a like bottle, bottle episode. episode. So that's, that's that's probably why I feel like that's um. Well, I should bottle it up and throw it to the sea. It's, now it's just it's inoffensive, is the thing about it. Like oh, it, I was it left. It, some people were apparently, but it was like there was just <laughs> it was it evaporated into the air. No one really cared. It's sort of they used M Night mainly just to promote this film that would probably have a twist, and sure enough, it did. Like. It's it was a nothing event and therefore is meaningless, oh. especially after what happened two years earlier. Speaking of yeah. events, oh, twenty thirteen, what a year for cinema! Uh, a young Jaden Smith and his father, pre-slap Will Smith, headed the sci-fi epic. My God, he did this one. After yeah, Earth. Now, After Earth is yeah. the first film that I actually have a prop for, um, dear listeners. Um, actually, guys, can you describe what you're about to see? Mm. Sure. Oh, that is a. Oh, that's a. DVD. That's a. That's a DVD of After Earth, I believe. Yeah, it's a CD-ROM. What? Why is there a bullet hole in it? I, <laughs> I have deserved I another think. movie that popped up in my house one day. I think my dad may have gone <laughs> somewhere where they maybe uh, sell DVDs for uh, cheaper than you know regular retail price. <laughs> and we had a copy of After Earth, and I decided to watch it one day. Ever since I watched it, I've been trying to destroy the disc, okay? <laughs> and for some uh, reason, it keeps living. I literally, I remember this, I threw it, and it bounced off the floor and then landed on a table. Like, I've got, I've, <laughs> okay. I, I figured it out. I'm like, okay. Wait, you figured it out. The devil. It was dead all along. Oh, no. <laughs> what, a what a twist. Um, then when we moved, I went to throw I frisbeed it towards the bin. Every other disc I frisbee toward the bin, I reckon I got 9 out of 10 in. I was on fire that day. Bounced, laid on the table. Okay? Then I thought, all right, this thing's haunting me. 
I need to destroy it. We have run it over with a car. <laughs> I've thrown oh it from many rooftops. I went in it with a blowtorch. Okay, huh? hence the burn mark through it. Oh, I I have no respect for it. Okay, <laughs> but I can't. I can't seem to let it go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, this just is this it, is. I, I think this is the plot of Moby Dick. This is my white whale, and I'm going to go down with it one day. Um, but one day I'll put it into a cheap. I'll put it into a cheap DVD player and see if it still works. This 130 million dollar fucking disaster, which should have been cool. Giant birds, fierce smelling monsters, aliens, Will Smith and his son having no chemistry at all, which is almost Weird. worth a call to child services. A plot point though, like, isn't it a plot point they don't have emotions or something in that film? Like, isn't that part of the yeah. plot? Which, yeah. which, uh, like, their characters aren't meant to show emotion. Yeah. But somehow they show less than none. They suck emotion <laughs> out of the screen. They suck <laughs> my emotions out. Um, but even at the end, when they were like, "Oh, maybe we have Normally to, have to buy maybe we have to be, that. we have to be family all along." Uh, even then, they they just don't. It's a bizarre, bizarre film. Speaking of bizarre films, let's rattle through these last few because I'm gonna have things to say soon. The Visit, 2015, Monster Grandparents. Oh, it's a twist. They're not the grandparents. The murderers. Has anyone seen wow. The Visit? No. no. I, I haven't, so. but I heard some people enjoyed it. But Yeah, you guess, I guess you could say the audience is really split on that one. Speaking of split, 2016 mm -hmm. split. Uh, James McAvoy carries a film. <laughs> We're playing yeah. 412 different characters. Mm -hmm. he, play, he plays a character with multiple um, personality disorder. He's got 23 different personalities. Uh, but then a mysterious 24th develops called The Beast. He kidnaps three women. They have a few laughs. <laughs> it was a hit. <laughs> Anya Taylor Look, Joy was in this as well. Is that right? Am I remembering that right? I believe so. Yeah, I think it was Anya Taylor and Joy. Pretty, is it her or is it the other girl from? Um, it's the other girl from Kimmy Schmidt, isn't it? The daughter from Kimmy Schmidt. I, I believe Swan's Anya Taylor Joy. Anyway, um, I saw confused. I saw Split. I saw Split mostly because people were saying, "Go it, no, see it's Split." Taylor Joy. Oh, yeah. I was right. Go see Split. Wait until the end credit sequence. Something cool happens, mm -hmm. and to that I was like, "I wonder if it's possible that this is somehow connected to the one M Night Shyamalan film everyone wants a sequel to." Unbreakable. Last Airbender. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> it was connected to Unbreakable, and that was pretty cool yeah, in the most ham-fisted way. Again, spoilers for everything, but cool. this is an interesting thing because there is a. An interesting through line with all of his his works to create actually one of the more, more, most interesting things I think in cinema. I think this is a, the, like a bit of a white whale he's on here because it's non comic book characters forming a universe, which mm. is so bizarre. Yeah, but at the end of Split, there is some people wa watching um, a news report in a in a diner. And they're like, "Oh, yeah, this person has the beast in him or something." I don't know some shit. I can't remember. And this person just. Throws up, just absolutely like visually blurts out this exposition. Didn't this happen 15 years ago to a character named Unbreakable and his friend Johnny Glass? And he was bad, but he was smart. His friend was strong and he was a villain and there was a train. And then Bruce Willis is like, yes. 
And she just <laughs> without even replying to her, he, she just gets up and leaves. It's like, all right. I don't know. Bruce would have spoke to me and asked him about moonlighters or something. I don't know. I, don't know. I watched this. I watched this on the plane to Japan, and it was. I, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. You're in a plane. You're, you're grateful for everything that happens in a plane, okay? It's a you pretty fucking good plane escape. movie. Like, it's... You can't escape, exactly. buddy. Yeah. I watched that in the movie plane? Too. It was, can't it escape. was great. <laughs> All right. And then, oh um, I guess, f- finishing up the uh, the uh, MNSCU. Oh, my God. I hate that. Uh, Glass, 2019, sequel to Unbreakable. Combining it puts split in there as well. They're all superheroes and villains. The psychiatrist is is like part of a secret cabal of people trying to quash this human evolution or some shit. I think one of them gets drowned in a puddle at the end. It, yeah, it's like Bruce a really super that was so that was his one weakness in Unbreakable, right? Is water puddle? Right? That's his weakness. Yeah, basically. Well, <laughs> water. He can drown. Basically, the one thing that can kill him. What the and fuck so- is M Night and water? Get that motherfucker some water wings. What is he, Ellie from Last of Us? Swim, you dickhead. Hey. <laughs> so, and so I never saw Glass because the reviews were so bad for Glass. It's like, oh damn, that's a shame because I really was looking forward to this Unbreakable sequel. Yeah, um, and I heard about him drowning in basically a puddle of water and it being ridiculous. Like, oh, that sucks. It, it, it's literally a yeah. muddy pu- um, puddle of water in a car park. Next yeah, to, like, it's a TV it, van. It's bonkers. Nice. Okay. What a way to go. Yep. The way you drink. Uh, it's- <laughs> Look, a lot of people want to want to you know die just of old age. Speaking of dying, I'm not even going with old here. Speaking of wanting to Some kind of game of segues. Twenty twenty one. Sophie and I went along to the cinema post post COVID. What a beautiful post COVID world. Okay, the last film that we saw going into lockdown was Sonic. Mm-hmm. And so if I yeah. could I could have died I think it happy. Started the pandemic, I'm pretty sure. I would yeah. have died happy, I think, with a great film for what it was. Old made me wish for darker times. It is a movie <laughs> about people who go to a beach, and can you guess what the beach does? You have to write it makes you fucking old. Okay. <laughs> it is the most nonsensical, poorly acted film. There is a character who's a rapper whose rapping name is Midsize Sedan. That's the name that they decided to write. And at no point in the film is it a joke. They are being legit. Um, there is I mean, a scene there's a, with- There's a real rapper whose name is 50 Cent. Like, why is that so weird? I don't know. It just doesn't oh, roll your the tongue. As a it, yeah, 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 that's Cent, the thing. Right? Like, it, it doesn't roll no, the tongue as well as 50, 50. Cent. Fitty. Yeah, but if but if yeah. mid-sized sedan was around for long enough, you'd start to go fucking setters. Yeah, what a great rapper he is. Yeah, like, setters. setters. That's the thing. He's gonna track out. Yeah. Um, a scene with a woman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll come around to it. A woman gets a tumor. Okay, and they watch it grow. They're like, she's like in pain on the beach because things just happen one after another. Some kids. Okay, like they were kids twenty seconds ago go into a tent, have sex, have a baby, and by the time one of them runs and then comes back to say, hey, there's a baby in the, in the picture now, the baby's dead. It is, because it just aged too quickly. It is, there's a woman who has, have, has anyone here seen Futurama? Yes. Mm, you know yeah. the scene with the guy with bone-itis? 
Yes. Oh yeah. She actually yeah. has fucking bone-itis, okay? She has like some sort of like bone disease, okay? And she like goes off to a cave and lives like the dude from 300 who can't hold a shield. And she's living in there, becomes sort of like a crab woman. And they Same. go like to, to, to see her or whatever. And she, her bones are breaking and healing too quickly. So she's just like, just like exploding with bones and like looks like a bad bloodborne boss. Awful. Yeah. The, the woman have, has a tumor and they, they have to hold her open because if they, when they cut her, she heals like basically instantly because time. Also, the time manipulator, uh, the time there, which is what I'm calling it, is because of the rocks and magnets, but also the company there, which I'll get to the twist in a moment. This is a lost so sequel. They have to hold her open while they cut this tumor out of her, but at no time does she instantly die of blood loss, or does she instantly die of this rusty knife being put into her, and the infection should just kill her straight away because, mm. like, her body mm. thinks like 10 years have passed almost during this, you know slicing up scene what what i'm trying to figure out is how does the movie take place like is it like the further along the beach you walk the faster time flows is there a pocket it's like does it randomly just go up and down in terms of the whole beach like whole beach if you try to once you're on the beach you're stuck there if you try to go off you faint and appear somewhere else that's never quite explained so why is it that when the kids go into the tent they like have their whole lives plus another life happen in like thirty seconds, the way you describe it, but everybody else, the movie still goes for two hours. Oh no, they was they were doing they were still getting old, like outside. They just like oh. literally like sitting there, just being like, "Oh, I've got gray hair now." Fuck. Just, just, but the just baby, stop. what? The, the baby okay. wasn't fed quick enough. Oh, so, so it did like that. Oh, so it didn't. But, it didn't age and die. The baby, it just died of like being, what? Being a baby in an M night film, I guess. Like yeah. You know, we've seen how kids treat children. Wants me the most impactful scene you've ever seen on cinema. <laughs> oh, it had an impact on me. It had an impact on me. It's uh, at the end they they escape. The two kids escape by swimming through a coral tunnel because the coral protects them from this time warping. I mean, oh makes yeah, sense. of course. Yeah. Everybody knows that coral protects you from yeah, 100%. the anomaly leaves of the space time continuum. Now that film old. Wasn't the last time. Oh, you just see so before I said the happening was the worst film I had seen. Mm. Old took over. Yeah. Yesterday, as I mentioned, I went and saw a knock at the cabin. And while it's getting rather positive for M Night reviews, it's actually his second um, best reviewed uh film. I believe it has a Metacritic score of 66, whereas okay. um the sixth sense has a 67. So it's not. It's not wow. I mean, our podcast gets better reviews. If you want to review it, we're on Spotify and iTunes. Go give us some love. Hell yeah. A knock at the cabin. All right. Basic premise here. Four people rock up at a cabin. The cabin has uh, a couple in there. Uh, Jonathan um, Groff and the dude from Fleabag. Um, and, the, oh, and their daughter. Oh, the dude from Fleabag is in the priest like, dude? The priest. Which dude? Yeah. Oh, cool. Priest guy, yeah. Um, you mean Moriarty? <laughs> yes. Moriarty. So in the house, these four people, there's 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 uh Dave Batista, the man mountain, there's uh mm-hmm. Rupert Ron Weasley Grint. You're selling mm-hmm. in this movie. And two other people. They knock at the they they do the aforementioned, the titular knock at the cabin, they knock a few times. They go in there and say, Hey, um you one of you 
needs to choose to sacrifice yourself. The other then needs to kill that person in order for the world to not end. Okay. And they're all there. They've got these like weapons and, and such. I'm not going to, I'm trying to try and avoid big spoilers here. This is all pretty clear in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's based on a, on, on, on a book, a much, a book with a much better name than the film. It's called the cabin at the end of the world. Um, the movies should be a real interesting play on humanity, paranoia, faith. This movie could easily be, I'm pretty sure it's Christian propaganda, as a lot of his films may be. (laughs) This is probably one of his most heavy-handed films about faith. It should be about paranoia, and there should be, like, a lot of, like, character development and playing off each other. There is none of that. It is so one note. People keep talking about how Batista is really good. And look, I actually really enjoy Batista as an actor. I think he's yeah, he's yeah. Great. I think he's an awesome, awesome actor. And I know that recently he's like, no, I want to be taken more seriously as an actor. But I think without beating around the bush, I do think he's got some really fucking good acting jobs. Yeah, no, I, I think he, 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 he. I want to see him in some more serious, serious roles. He's he he's good time. at it. He does well with a super one dimensional script. But the thing, it's one dimensional script. You can only do so much with it. They somehow make Jonathan Groff, the charming Jonathan Groff, boring as shit in this film. <laughs> there is no character in this film that you even remotely care about. The, the coincidences, or what could be deemed, they seemed to be coincidences, aren't fully explored. The paranoia isn't fully explored. There are gaping potholes. And then M. Night, I think when he lost the twist, he wanted <laughs> something else. There need to be something else for the M. Night brand. And I saw this a lot in Old, and I, I can't really remember seeing it in Glass or Split as much. But in Old, there were these really slow, off-centered panty shots to nothing, and then back to the action. Quote-unquote action. Ooh. And he does that time and time again in, in, in Cabin. There, every shot of, a, of like dialogue, you never see two people... Talk to each other, you know, with a side silhouette. It the camera is in their face. It looks like I'm on a Zoom call for half <laughs> this fucking film, and these fucks don't know where to put the webcam because you'll see Jonathan Groff's face taking up ten percent of the right hand corner of the screen, and he's like, "Yes, cinema." Like, what are you talking oh, about? Mr. Using- Roboting it. He, he, he's like, oh, oh we shit. use really um, we use these like really old cameras to film this film. Uh, and the thing about them is you, you know, they go out of focus really easily. And we had to, we had to do like five minute long takes, like really long takes every time. You could just not, you could just fucking mm-hmm. make a film. Like I watched that and yeah. at no point did it feel like, Hey, this is filmed on like, you know, as, on, a, on a special camera or this is filmed with a special film. You know, this isn't like an, uh, any sort of like avatar to the way of water. Sorry. You know, James Cameron's Magna Opus. Well, you could tell that there was a different method of filming used for it. Um, it just felt poorly made. And even the reviews I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that are positive are saying it's positive for him comparatively mm. to his other works. I'm like, is that how we're going to start reviewing this guy's films? Because that doesn't seem On the Shyamalan right. bell curve. Exactly. I would still think this is at the bottom. Now, the other films on this list that I, I very much hate is The Happening. But it's dumb. It's dumb fun. Like I watched it's it a, enough it's, times. It's bad enough to be 
good to watch. It's bad. Like, I bad would love to watch, watch. Yeah. the happening. Hammered trunk mm-hmm. with you guys. Yeah. Old. Yeah. It's campy as hell. Okay. It has some yeah. stupid moments. And there's moments you just like, you shake your head at it. Knock at the cabin. I could have recorded a YouTube video of the world's longest sigh and it would have gone for the length of this film. <laughs> there is nothing compelling about it. There's nothing interesting. Any modicum of an idea of a concept isn't explored. The way I explain it is, you know when you have when you have a dream and things will happen out of convenience. You'll step out of your house and suddenly you're at the beach. Because you, your brain's not going to fill in those gaps. It's not going to say, oh, you got into a car and you drove there. That's how you, mm. you remember it. It just, yeah. everything is convenient to the idea of the dream. So if you try to explain to somebody, it doesn't really make sense. It, this movie is filmed like he had a, he read the book, M. Night. He had a dream about it. He then explained that dream to somebody else. That person then drank and then re-explained it to M. Night, who then filmed it <laughs> on cameras from the 1820s. Okay, with the zoom button permanently broken. There's just leaps in logic. Characters just do things. There is part where characters just escape for no reason. They're not looking at anything. There, there, there are moments where there's like an interesting, um, like connection between characters. Like, oh, are they explored in any meaningful way? No. Okay. And then the ending. It just, it, it, it's there. The ending of the book is very dark in the in the book basically there's a scuffle and the little girl's killed and they say look no that she didn't say that she could be sacrificed therefore that doesn't fulfill the whims of this greater entity that we're trying to um you know appease so the other two say well you know what sort of god would say that is fair and what like you know how unjust is is this world end it we will walk the earth alone forever um, and that's what happens. The world ends and these two walk around by themselves forever. But to have like this really, I, I'm, I'm also going to kind of compare it a little bit to The Last of Us Episode 3. Because it deals with a queer couple. Oh, here we go. Brings it back around. I'm bringing it back yeah, around. This, 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 I'm, hey guys, I'm, Bring a, it I'm a, a uh, professional, okay? The Last of Us Episode 3 has one of the most Beautiful, poignant, and realistic depiction of, of, of a queer couple. It's beautiful. Okay? Mm. Like, like we explained before, like, there is some sadness in the fact that Bill's character wasn't out, but that's not the crux of it. And of, often that can be. There is, like, um, I can't remember, I've read, I've read a few different things, how often, like, queer characters in, in cinema and TV are used to, you know, be killed off. Basically, you guys. Yeah, like they're they're meant yeah. to be the tragic characters. That's the trope. Yeah. In yeah. in this, you yeah, have Buffy these like, the vampire slayer. Yeah, these like religious, well, possibly religious zealots, who are trying to appease a god of sorts, telling a gay couple that one of you need to die in mm. order for our higher being to be happy and to save us all. And I'm just like, I. Don't think that's a good message yeah. at all. Like, even at the end of the film, like, the message of the film is basically like, hey, if anyone knocks at your cabin and says all sorts of bullshit, believe them. Wink. 
Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what, what, what is this? I don't understand what this movie's trying to say. The ending you described, though, where they go, well, fuck that god, that's a shit god, and we would rather the world end and we walk the, the world alone, sort of suggests the message of the film is that's bullshit, though. Is like, that that is fucked up, that you'd be asking that to happen. Like, am I misreading? I, not, as somebody's not seen the film, am I misreading that? I, I, I want to actually, I'm actually curious to read the book, because apparently the book's a lot better. I, I'm wondering if that is- the They almost always are, if there's ever a <laughs> movie adaptation of a book. Because almost always better. But um, Except for the Lord of the Rings, right, Joel? Yeah, Joel. Tell us. Tell right, us what you guys, think about Lord of guys, the Rings. Guys, he can't read. <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he could, he would have read all the spectacular review, uh, reviews of Return of the King. His mic's not working. Guys, we have to act it out. He's not working. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, it's back. Oh, what a shit. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. You see, Frodo and Sam at this point. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just I can, I can pair the depiction of, of this film um and, and the gay characters in this to to last of us and i was like either the last of us did exceptionally well which i mean it did or this yeah. has done yeah. it exceptionally badly and it has used what probably that, that, that dated yeah. thing like you said the whole like kill you gay thing both things can be true it's like oh, i don't know there's there's so much in this film there's so many angles which you, you watch the film through so many different lenses and every time i try to kind of like swap lenses which is something that he that m like fucking doesn't do but every time i swap my lenses to look at this film in different ways, every single one of them was flawed. Like there's something like inherently wrong with the the, the moral of this film. Hearing hearing yeah. you describe that the, the the concept for it, um, because I didn't really know anything about it. The the, the movie that keeps popping into my mind is Cabin, Cabin in, the in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. What a weird coincidence it's, they both have. Yeah, cabins in them. Also, the wait, same sort of thing. Concept. In a yeah. way? There yeah. is a scene in Australia. Okay. And they, he's like, oh, how, how can I make sure that they, you know, people know it's Australia? So they have the, it's Sydney, you know, the iconography in Sydney. Of course, everyone's going to recognize the Sydney Harbour Bridge and Sydney Opera House. It's like, how can I really land, land this? How can I land this? Uh, well, ironically, land this plane, this crash plane. The crash plane just has in big letters Australia across it. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> thanks, M Night. Cheers, yep. buddy. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out, friend. <laughs> All right. Cool, that's up. Let's review. These films. I'm going to put together a quick list. I'm going to pop myself on mute for a moment. Guys, speak amongst yourselves about M. Night's works um, and where you think the rankings would come in, and I'll share my screen and we'll do these rankings. I mean, right, look, let's be honest. We are kidding ourselves if Avatar doesn't come dead fucking last. Dead last. Dead last. Movie if there's a way. You're, you're, you're going to fight in your hand, guys. The list. No, no, no. We're going to. We, the votes are in. Yeah, it's two to already one. In How many people have, have <laughs> seen old to vote on it? Yeah. It's the- That's the thing. I didn't need to watch old. I literally I watched the move like, like I watched the trailer and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just go put it's it out the there. Beach now, bro, that's making them I mean, old. Thank you. This is your first guest spot on the on the on the podcast. First of many, I hope. But Joel and Simon could tell you um something. I am a fucking dictator. And I <laughs> am the one who make all these different graphics about yeah. so Who's to say where these votes will yeah. come in? <laughs> it's uh, he's not he's the, not the people of Spoken. It's um yeah, I mean like the, the the ones that I've seen, I actually think I think Brub will probably be in agreement with me here. I think Unbreakable's gotta be number one. Like Unbreakable will be my number one. It's uh, I I think for me too, it's yeah, it's still good. I haven't watched it in years, but like I remember really enjoying it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um 
and like, I mean, from there, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm quick descent sort of, into madness. Yeah, it really is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, dude, yeah, it's it's wild. I, I comparing I have, turds. Like, how <laughs> basically? Yeah, I have no real strong feelings what, about. What is the point in even doing this? It's like, what yeah, do we need? Very to true. We, these we, pieces the of shit. We've got, <laughs> we've got the best. The We've got the bottom, everything else. Whatever. It's in the middle. In between. That's all you need to know. Let us know your your corn in there. Your two to sixteen. Yeah. Actually, yeah. You know what, Jesse? Can we can we get a poll big enough on Twitter going? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we can. I tried. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) I have to start like a like a a tournament type thing. Like yeah, we'll do a bracket. Yeah. March Madness, actually. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. But the problem is, it's poor Jesse that would have to run all of that. I tried. (laughs) He'd have to do it twice: one for the best film and one for the worst film. Yeah, and do them all twice. It's fine. Yeah, he's got that under control. He's he's doing it right now. I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jesse, say nothing. If (laughs) I like how these two are like, oh no, Jesse's gonna have to make it. We feel so bad for him. And when I do make something, it's like, eh. (laughs) <laughs> hey. Excuse you. I've never yeah. once said uh, to something you've made. I've always given you full compliments. No, sorry. So I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna, I'll, I'll adjust that. When I say, "Hey guys, can you give me a hand with something?" <laughs> okay, but that's because also you're three hours been... in the future compared to me. You, so when you say, mate, hey, I'm buddy, you "Give me a quick," hand I'm the years in the future. Okay, <laughs> don't worry about me. Jesse's on the old beach right now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was your birthday recently. You're on the old beach. I really am. You yeah. are an old beach. <laughs> I've got more grays just from doing this episode so far. Yeah. yeah. All right. Quick, make sure you, make sure you get your protective coral. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do, I do, it so is bad. concerning. We've spent more time talking about the catalog of M Night Shyamalan than we did talking about three fantastic episodes of The Last of Us. That's just very saying. true. Use of our time. Very true. Not wise. From the story mode. <laughs> <laughs> It's much easier to just sing praises about three fantastic episodes of The That's Last true. of Us versus dunking on M. Night Shyamalan's <laughs> career. All right, guys. Can you guys see that screen that I just shared? Indeed. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yes, I can. Cool. Yep. Let's start at the top. Okay. I'm going to re- These are the films. I'm going to rearrange them. I just tried one. to scroll up for some reason. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you would think the movies got better. No, they do not. No. <laughs> so you're saying Unbreakable number, f- number one. Let's go, let's go yep. for, yeah, film by film. So first spot, you guys think Unbreakable? Yeah. I would agree. I yep. think so. All right. Cool. I can't argue that. Look, I'm not, not a rousing endorsement. No, not no, it's like one. sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Number two, oh, yeah, I, I think, has to be one. Sixth Sense. I think, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree with yep. that. Yep. What, what other film would you be thinking there? Because there's some, there's some uh, the hesitation only, there. I mean, the only two that I have any affection for from here on are Signs and Split. Yeah, same. Um, so I, I think the Sixth Sense next is fair. I probably personally put Signs above the Sixth Sense. I think I've rewatched Signs more. I care more about it, but I think it's easy to argue that Sixth Sense is the better objective. Movie. I'm charging Six um, Signs the Mel Gibson tax. Yep, fair. Yep, fair. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Now, when your movie has Mel Gibson in it and it's still third. With said tax, <laughs> uh, you know the other ones are in debt. You know what I feel I, like? We I, could address this list. I mean, have you guys fallen downstairs before? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yes. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd almost put split above signs. 
personally, but that's that's just me. But well, I I, I would actually say split probably comes next. Nah, I'd I think split is next. Split's definitely split next. next. Yeah, split's next? but split's next. All right. Yeah. So so far we've got Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, Signs, Split. Stop putting S's in your fucking films. Um, okay, can I put a controversial one for next? Yeah, uh, I think The Happening goes next. Oh, because it's obviously a shit film. I'm out of here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, <laughs> in the sense that, Broad, you're meant to be the best of us. <laughs> the Not that, the last of us. <laughs> in the sense that it has brought, even though I haven't watched it, that one episode of Honest Trailers brought me so much joy and made me want to watch it that it has a little place in my heart. Yeah. I think okay. we're in an interesting position at the moment. We have to keep kick brought off the show. No, I, <laughs> I think this is where it comes into the point of do we add in all the films that we haven't seen here? Because effectively not watching a film is better than watching some of the films that are coming up. Yeah. Would that be fair? That's a thing. Because I've not watched any of the remaining ones apart from The Last Airbender. I, yeah, I haven't watched any of them. The what what are the films that none of us have watched? Well, or, or like, well, at least recently. I, I, I think I've watched these all, to be honest. I haven't seen Lady in the Water. I I, maybe I have seen Lady in the Water. I'm not sure. All right, the village, I haven't seen. If I have, then I've not remembered. Wait, hold, up, hold up, hold up. I've not seen hold any up. of these. So, Village? No. Lady in the Water? No. Maybe. And I'm I guessing The Visit know. will be the one we can't. The visit. Okay. Um, I'm going to add them in um, using a very, very technical uh, way of thinking, uh, purely based <laughs> on, drop. on alphabet- well, you've- alphabetical order. Ah, even so you've, cleverer than I You've think. seen them, Jesse, those three? Yes, but I can't remember then you've them. Got- or my brain oh, is okay. trying to protect me. Yeah, I, th- that's the thing. I think I've the seen human brain, guys, is a beautiful thing. I actually guarantee um, all right. I couldn't I couldn't tell you fucking anything about Lady in the Water. I just all right. sort of vaguely does it involve a bathtub at some point? I feel like it does. Well that's that's the water. That's the <laughs> aforementioned water. Um all right, now we've got on the lake. I think we're There's at the point in it. where we need to be talking about glass and after earth. And after earth. Yeah. I'll, I'll put yeah. glass above after earth. Cool. Go for it. Okay. Do it. After okay. Yeah. After Earth. Will Smith. This middle section's me. very soft. It's yeah, that it's, turd soup I was talking about. There's, yeah, it really right. is. It's, we have four it's films sort of like a vacuum of nothingness. We have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The I happening. Th- I think. Hold up, son. Yep, the last November. Next. Old and a knock at the cabin. Well, uh, as we've already discussed, last air, Airbender goes. Well, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's there's a space between okay. whatever second last and it somehow. Let's be fair here. Happening <laughs> goes there. Okay, cool. We've got the last cool. airbender, old, and a knock at the cabin. You've already told us the order these go in, old, and then it was superseded by knocking the cabin, and then the last airbender. Simple as that. Airbender, yeah. That's done. Yeah. Well, well, you cr- know what? Right. Purely for how you just phrase that, you like checkmated me, Queen's Gambit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got me good there. That logic was fucking solid. I respect <laughs> it. It seems the dictator has been usurped. The dictator's been dicked. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Done. All right. The official, just (laughs) perfect list of M. Night Shyamalan films. Inarguable, 
only facts and science used the entire time. <laughs> Can I please get a drum roll? Joel being oddly quiet. I think he's in reverent awe. <laughs> okay, now he looks like he's putting a microphone to his penis. What are we going to hear? <laughs> oh, oh my. I can hear like a real teeny sort of sound. Like a real like teeny sort of sound. <laughs> I think your filter worked really well then because like, we couldn't hear anything. Yeah, then. I didn't hear a thing. Yeah, yeah apparently it, I was getting feedback. Like I was getting something. Nah, on all my, the, on all, my, uh, I think all of our small dick jokes were at the same. Might Discord saving um, our earlobes. All right. So in order, right, in first place, Unbreakable. Second place, mm. The Sixth Sense, followed by 2002's Signs. Split. Lady in the Water, The Village, The Visit, bring up the soft, gooey, unwatched middle. Glass, <laughs> After Earth, citing the Smiths, The Happening. Fucking hell. How it's moved up is, what a glow up. I'll say that much, Kate, what a glow up. <laughs> <laughs> then we've got Old, Knock at the Fucking Cabin, and then The Last. The last place, the last airbender. <laughs> Correct. Look, to, if I'm going to be completely list. honest with you, I feel like we're actually being a little bit too kind to the last airbender. I agree. There's a space underneath the yes. last airbender, and that's where it should go. No, there no, should no. be a gap between. I'm gonna right, give me a between it and knock at the cabin. Like that's how shit this movie is. <laughs> 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 to be continued, because surely he oh, has another film. What a twist! What a twist! <laughs> ah, yes, we did a twist. All right, guys, let's wrap it up here because I've had at least three asthma attacks while talking about shit films, <laughs> and I can't <laughs> die like this, okay? <laughs> oh, God Jesse damn it. died doing yeah, what you love. First of all, Rod, thank you so much yes. for joining us. I hope you had a, I hope you had you. a good, good time. I had a great time. Thank you for letting me vent about my feelings about The Last M and uh, oh. I'm much, much uh, I need to do it somewhere. I'm glad it was here. Absolutely more than uh, welcome. Now, of course, you do your show. It is coming up to an end. Yes. But like we said, there is the a the timeless. Yes, there's a lot to go through. Uh, chances are, as I said at the start of the podcast, if you the TV show you've loved and basically ever, but especially in the last six years, there's a very, very strong chance we've reviewed it. There's a very strong chance we haven't too. But uh, uh, even with 200 episodes, we can't cover everything. But check us out, huntingseasonspodcast.com or uh, just type in Hunting Seasons Acast, we usually bring it up as well, um, and check us out before we're gone. And of course, you can find them on all good podcasting platforms, as well as mm -hmm. our little fun little show, the Story Mode Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all good podcasting platforms, and of course, Dialogue Options, hosted by Joel and Kyron, the more video game-focused aspect of Story Mode Gaming. Give them some love. Chuck us reviews and and you and use and and blues and everything else that rhymes, um, because that means a lot to us. It helps us fight the evil algorithm. I don't know how it works. I don't know how we fight it, but apparently five star reviews do well. So give us some of those things. Um, Let's put it this way: hunting seasons would still be going if anyone bothered to review us. So you know, do these guys a favor. Take that. I'm joking. I'm joking. Absolute I'm fucking distance. <laughs> I'm gonna name the podcast. True. That's not true. You heard the first. That's the dunked on you, ungrateful fucks. <laughs> nah, you guys are all right. Give us that's the love, promo please. for the. That's the promo for the episode right here. <laughs> I'll cut that audio and give it to you so you can put it on the last episode. Thank you. <laughs> How about that? That'll be the sign out. 
it's all your fault. We'd still be here if it wasn't for you. Just like yourself. bitter ranting from both of you as it just fades out. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, if you want to catch some of our mindless ranting, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stormode Oz. We're all also on social media, you know, ourselves as, as people. I'm at Jesse Spanner. Simon, where can they find you? At Sci421. Where's the Joel hole at? At Jolly Mac. And Broad. At B Gordes. B G O R D E S. Come give us some love. Come give us a follow. But with that, lads, thank you so much for joining in and, and letting us. I think we thought it was very cathartic. I think that's what we all, we all mm. needed uh, to get yeah. that out of our system, yeah. which is very, very good. Uh, dear listeners at home or on the bus or wherever you do this, wherever you want to do, wherever you want to get nasty with our show, um, thank you for listening. Hope you had fun. If you don't agree with our list, get stuffed. But also, <laughs> jump into social media and tell us what films are, you know, what film do we rank too low or rank too high? Are we wrong? Probably. Uh, but thanks for listening. Stay safe. And I still haven't thought of an outro. Bye. 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 Bye.